Good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Well, take two is always a lot of fun. The first service was great. Um, I am very excited for this word. When uh, Pastor Tom asked me to sub for him a couple months ago, uh, I've, I've already knew what I was going to talk about and what I should talk about is about wholeness and, and how God doesn't leave us broken. And the message changed really just over the past couple of weeks. And uh, it's that same heart that God doesn't leave us broken. Uh, he makes us whole. He binds us. He binds up the brokenhearted. Um, but I felt like, like the word for us is that God, you always restore. And this idea of restoration and that, that it's a journey and it's a process from the time we accept Christ to the time we see him face to face. And uh, so I was really excited. I was like, wow, this is neat. And the verses and the scripture that we're going to look at aren't really the verses or scripture I, I would naturally think would go with this type of topic. Um, but when I started to think about restoration and, and my journey of restoration with the Lord, I began to think about all the different people that have played a role in my life and in my journey and have influenced me. And in fact, what an honor and privilege to get to, get to be here to speak with you and to speak to you um, on this platform and in this pulpit. And I think about the people like Pastor Brian Montre, Pastor Dave Bechtold, who I have known for 15 years and they, that knew me when I first came out of drugs and first delivered. And like I, I doubt either of them ever envisioned me be here. Um, I certainly did not, nor did I want that. But uh, they have played very influential roles and spoken different seasons and different points in my life and, and uh, getting to work with Pastor Derek with the youth and everything I've learned with him and from him and from the youth. And uh, then I think about the fathers in this house, Pastor Joel and Pastor Greg and Pastor Tom and, and how it was, it, was really, it was really their friendships and their influence that discipled me. Truly, and still in discipleship and still growing in the Lord. Um, and just how their life of walking with the Lord, not as perfect men, but as godly men, as growing men in the Lord, sharing their journey, sharing their mistakes, their vulnerabilities, and uh, how much, how deeply that's impacted my life and transformed my life. But the, the most precious gift, the most dynamic relationship that I've ever, ever had, that, I've, that the Lord's ever given to me, is, is my wife, Ashley. Like that, that was the ultimate gift of restoration. She loved me and accepted me how I was. She was, she was the first person to just love me as I, as I was, a big mess, a big disaster. And if I was to do our pre-marriage counseling now, uh, from 13 years ago, I'd be like, sweetheart, don't marry this guy. <laughs> Do not marry He's a mess. But uh, God has been so good to us and so good to each other and our journey together. And she's actually going to share this morning, so I'm very excited. She's not coming up yet. Don't worry, honey. <laughs> This is actually a big dream of mine. I'm so excited. And she's like, yeah, this is my nightmare. You're having me come and speak. So this is, it's going to be a lot of fun for me. Um, but uh, let's, can we just wait on the Lord for a moment? Father, we love your presence. We love your gentleness and your closeness. 
even now, would you, would you reveal yourself in a tangible way? Would we taste and see that you are good this morning? Would you restore hope and restore the promises you have for us? Holy Spirit, would you unlock hearts? Would you speak? Would your words be what are heard? And whatever I add and it's not would just fall away. Come and have your way this morning. Do what you want to do. We say you have free access, you have open access to our hearts and our minds. So speak and do what you want to do. In your mighty name. So you always restore. I just, I think about how amazing God is. I think about who he is. He's, he's my father. He's my defender. He's my best friend. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my comfort. He's my joy. He's so many things. And he's more things than I even know or understand. And by knowing him... That, that, makes, that makes me his son. That makes us his sons and daughters. It, it, we're adopted. We're brought into his family. We're brought into his kingdom. We're no longer outliers on the outside. We're, we're brought in. And, and when we're brought in, we have full access. We have full and immediate access to him. There's no, there's no mediator. It's us and him. And having access means we have all these promises spoken over our life. All these promises spoken over us as his people, as his children. And I just, there's more than I, I can list. There's more than I can understand. And it's, it just it blows my mind to try and even begin to understand a couple of them. And so that's, it's amazing when we know God in that way and when we experience him in that way. But what, what happens when we aren't experiencing him in that way? What happens when what we're experiencing is actually opposite of what his promises are? What happens when we actually feel hopeless instead of having hope? Or our hope is merely in eternity, which is great. I mean, that, I cannot wait to see him face to face. I mean, that is going to be the best day of our lives when we see him face to face. No more pain, no more sorrow. I seriously, I hate pain. I hate sorrow. I cannot wait to see him. And sometimes that's easier if we're in a dark place that, well, that's going to happen. And I just can't wait to die. And there's, there's no hope for today. And there's no hope for tomorrow. And that's, that's, that's not our life with him. Our life for him is not about escaping this place. So what do, what do we do when we're stuck? What do we do when it's so dark? Well, we, we have this scripture verse we use a lot, and it's, it's true, but sometimes it becomes kind of like a rah-rah verse, you know, or Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a future and a hope. I mean, that's true. We pray that over students graduating. We pray that over each other when we're sending each other out to different places and mission and this and that. Or if just we're stuck, like we pray that over And it's real. It's real. But let's, let's back up one verse And this is not going to sound encouraging. You're, gonna, you're like, Joe, you, this is, what, are you what are you talking about? Let's just read it. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, 
I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Are you kidding me? Seventy years? This, this going on right here, what's going on? Is that this is, these are the people of God. This is the Israelites. They are already been in the promises of God. This is after Moses. This is after Joshua. This is after King David has built the city of God. And it's also after many, many, mostly wicked kings. And, and so the Lord allowed the Babylonians to come in and, and capture them and take them away. His, his people. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is the promises that like the whole Old Testament has been naturally leading to. And, and now they're in darkness, deep darkness. And it's not just like, hey, this is going to be a month or two. When 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you and will bring you back from captivity. So you're like, Joe, I don't have 70 years. And I know. This is, this is what I feel like the Lord said when, when he brought me here. Your 70 years has come to an end today. Whatever, whatever oppression, however long, whatever months, years, decades, that this darkness has been in your life, this pain, this sorrow, that season is coming to an end. The Lord is coming to you. He's here. If you seek him with all your heart, he says, he's, you're, you're going to find him. We will find him. And he's going to bring us back out of captivity. Because he always restores. He always restores. He doesn't stop restoring. He always restores. That broken marriage, it's not over until he says it's over. Your kids that hate the Lord now, it's not over until he says it's over. He always restores. He doesn't stop. That's the declaration today. That is his word. And now, that's not our main verse, though. Our main scripture, our main passage we're going to look at is actually Song of Songs, which you're like, Joe, again, you're not making sense. What does Song of Songs have to do with restoration and freedom? It's about Solomon wooing his bride. It's about marriage. What, is, what does that have to do? Well, yes, it is about Solomon. It is about him wooing that dark Shulamite. I'm so dark, don't look at me, Solomon. That, that actually happened. That was a real story. But the deeper and the, maybe the more truer sense is that our bridegroom is wooing us, his bride. Us, who we think we're this dark Shulamite. You can't come and look at me. I'm full of darkness. I have all this wickedness. I have all these problems. I'm super broken. I'm super angry. I'm super hurt. I'm super upset. If you, you don't want to come by me. Well, let's, let's unpack this. Let's read. Let's read what the bridegroom is saying. He says, listen, listen. My beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through our windows, peering through the lattice. 
my beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, get up, arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. This is the process and journey of restoration. So, so let's unpack this. Point one is look and listen. Look, listen. See, he comes leaping over our mountains, bounding over our hills. He's like, like a gazelle, like a young stag. For those hunters or those of you that like National Geographic, I mean, you know what a gazelle looks like, hopping and how fast and yet how elegant and graceful or, or, or this, this large young buck with his eight point and it's spring and he's still got all the velvet and he, as he stands and comes out of, from the edge of the woods and he stands there and he's just looking and how he turns his head with his, with his massive rack and just the, the strength and the power yet the, the, the beauty and the poise it's, a, it's incredible. And then he, then he leaps off and he, tr- and he trots off and just goes over, over the ridge. This, this is the picture of our Lord. He, he leaps over our mountains. So what are our mountains? Our mountains are, are, are the mountains in front of us. They're the, they're the huge things in our lives that we can't see over, that we can't get over on our own. Those, those giants that have come into our life to oppose us and oppress us and stand before us. And he comes just leaping over them like they're nothing. He's just like, boom, just leaps over them. And he bounds over the hills. The hills are, are just our instability, our ups and downs. They're all our worries, our cares, our concerns. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to make that happen? What school is my son or daughter going to? All these different, like real life, these are concerns, but it's all this, it's, it's just the hills, all these concerns that make unstable paths. He just leaps over them. He bounds over them. And he comes right to us. But, but we have to respond. He comes right to us, and where, what does it say then? Look, there, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. He leaps over the mountains, all these huge obstacles, all our troubles, our cares and concerns, all our words. He, he, just, he just leaps and bounds over them, and he comes right to our wall. So all these huge mountains, all these problems, and he comes right to our wall where we say, no further, Lord. Like, we have to respond. He's, he's there. He's at the wall. But this wall is all the protection that we, we, th- we know. This is all we know how to defend ourselves. Because of all the pain, because of all, all the troubles, and we build these walls to protect ourselves. And then it's like, the Lord's like, no, it's me. And we're like, yeah, I don't really trust you. You're like, I, I believe you're good. I believe you love me. But I don't really, tr- I don't, you're, you can only come this far. Here's this wall. And he's not going to just knock it down on his own. He's, he's a gentleman. He does not come in without being invited and welcomed. And so we build, we build our walls and we, in our hearts and in our actions, really, we say we don't trust you, even though we, we want to, we want to trust. Theologically, we trust and believe. But then in the moment, he comes so close and it's like, no, you, I am dark. I, am, I have all this stuff going on and, and I'm terrified of what you're going to say and do. 
He waits for us to respond. He gazes through the windows into our souls. He's like, buddy, I, I see what's going on in there. It looks like you are in so much pain. You're in a lot of pain, sweetheart. There's a lot, there's a lot going on, and I see it all, and it doesn't bother me. I'm not troubled by anything going on in there. Please, let me in. I want to come in. I want to help you. I want to come in. And, and he peers through the lattice. Well, we know lattice is a really nice decoration in a garden or, or a deck, porch. You know, sunlight can't get under, under the deck, so everything, all the grass dies under there, so maybe we'll put gravel or put some stone or something. And then we put our mowers and tool, whatever. We just put a bunch of junk over there, and we put some lattice up and some shrubs, and some flowers, and vines, and it's really pretty. And it is, like, great. But behind all that is, like, death. Dead grass, a bunch of junk. And, and the Lord's, like, peering into, through our lattice, like, you really covered up nice. But I, I know what's in there. Again, it doesn't trouble me. I can take care of this with you and for you doesn't trouble him. He just, he just peers in, please let me in. Let, let me in today. You know, this whole lattice, this whole covering thing happens since the beginning of time. Uh, why are you guys covered up with fig leaves? Oh, well, we're naked. Yeah, how do you know you're naked? We, we still do it today. He draws near. <laughs> We put up our walls. He's trying to peer in. We decorate ourselves on the outside, and we're hurting. We're hurting deep inside. But he's come to us because he wants to free us. He wants to take us out of captivity. He wants to bring us back to the promise. So point three is arise and see. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing is come, the queen of doves is heard in the land. We have to get up. We have to get up. We have to stand up out of our pain out of all the oppression, out of all the darkness, out of, out of all the suffering, we, we, we have to get up off the ground. And it's not on our own. He's, he's right here with his hand out. We can't, we can't stay there. You see, if we get up, if we, if we get up with him and come and see this new season, this new thing he's doing, this new life, we see that he's been working the whole time. We see that it's, it's, it's been happening the whole time he's been at work. The winter is over. I mean, us being Wisconsinites appreciate when winter's over a lot. It's, it's cold and long and then longer. See the new season of singing. The birds are singing. Flowers are growing and blooming. The tulips are coming up. There's life everywhere. Holy cow, I didn't even know there was all this. Look at all this. Yeah, because sweetheart, buddy, you, you've, been, you've been dwelling in your, your pit. Like, you've been just laying there in this area. You've been stuck for so long. But get up. Come on, get up with me. It's okay. You're so wonderful. You're so beautiful. Come on. Come look, come look, see everything I've been doing and am doing. If we don't get up, we're not going to see that God is changing everything in us and around us. Point four is, is come with me.
fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our, our vineyards that are in bloom. See, we have, we have to get away with him. And, and I, I, I love the hiding place on the mountainside. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't speak a more exciting, exhilarating, happy place than a mountainside for me. That, that's my secret place. That's where I, I want to go. And actually, in two weeks, I'm going to be in Colorado hiking Long's Peak. And it's, it's, I thought it was 14,263 feet. The official height is 14,259 feet. So I was exaggerating by four feet when I was telling everyone. But I, I can't, I can't wait. For one, it's a very difficult, honey, don't listen, but pretty, pretty dangerous climb. We're going to be totally safe. Um... But I, I get to be 14,000 feet high with the Lord where I can hear his whisper. The secret place is where no one else is at. No one but you and him. That place where you can hear his whisper. Yeah, I love his fire. I love, I love his power. I love seeing him express himself in that way. More of that, Lord, yes. But even more, more than any of that, when he speaks that gentle whisper about how proud he is of me, about how he loves the work he has completed and the work he's going to continue to complete in me, that he loves the man he's made me to be. So the secret place is where he draws us because he wants to speak, but it's also in the secret place that he encourages us Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Catch for us those foxes. You mean those huge mountains, all that horrible stuff going on? Yeah, no, the little foxes. Lord, these are huge mountains, these are hills, these are, this is difficult. No, buddy, these are little foxes. Let's, let's go take care of this. In this secret place, he encourages us and directs us to do specific things. It's not a condemnation. It's not a, yep, your, your, your garden's a disaster, buddy. Yeah, I know. No, it's, it's a, little, a little fox. Go get it. Go take care of that thing. It's in the secret place that he restores us. It's where he restores our identity. You are a blooming vineyard. You're not a wasteland. We're not desolate. We're not destroyed. We've got a little fox or two running around. Your vineyard is blooming it's beautiful look and see everything I've done in your life everything I've but Lord I'm so dirty look at this get up come on see everything I've done you're, vi you're my vineyard that's blooming this is the journey for the rest of our life till we see him face to face I've shared different stories of how I've encountered the Lord and how he's freed me from different things and restored me in different ways. Many of you have probably heard how 15 years ago he, he instantly delivered me from drugs and alcohol. That was amazing. That was awesome. I've shared how he, he delivered me and freed me and restored me from striving and, and proving myself and all these things and all, all the things I was doing for him 
And he freed me from all that and restored me to my true calling. Now I'm a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. I was doing all this other stuff for him. But he restored me to his promise, his plan, his purpose. This was a little while ago, but I haven't, I haven't shared this story, and I want to this morning. Uh, prayer and fasting week and intimacy with God week are my two favorite weeks of the year. Uh, I just, I just love encountering God in worship and, and uh, his presence, and, that, and there's always powerful, timely words, and so like, I just like that time. I love prayer and fasting time. So this was prayer and fasting, two, two prayer and fasting ago, so a year and a half ago. And I had been in this, this several year season of like, and had this situation that it was like, I'm like trying to get help from Tom, like how, and he's, he's just deal with yourself, deal with yourself. And the situation, I didn't know how to handle it. And I would get, I was, I was hurt. I was offended. I was bitter. I was very vengeful, not outwardly, but inwardly. It's like, so hurt and mad. It's gross. And I and I just I didn't even realize how bad it was. It's like meow, 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 meow. And so it's prayer and fasting week, and God's always going to do something awesome. So I'm excited, right? And uh, it's Tuesday morning during our our uh, staff prayer time, and so it's our pastoral staff and our extended staff. So there's like 20 or 25 of us down there. And uh, so Nathan's leading some songs and whatnot, and people are praying some different stuff. It's great. I love that time. Well, all of a sudden, I have this picture, this little movie kind of unfold in my mind of, of the Lord coming in power. Like I saw, I saw his feet walking like bristly and like with purpose, and I saw his robe, and his, his hands were like on fire. There was like flames, and I was just like, whoa. And uh, I saw him come to someone who, who it, was like, it was like this ring wraith from Lord of the Rings had like came on this person and it's like huge claw like this big was just curled and dug into this person's heart. And, uh, and I'm watching this and, and the person couldn't heal. His heart was just destroyed. He couldn't heal. He couldn't heal. And it's like there's like infection and grossness and like... He still thinks he's fine, and it's like so much pain, and like, but the guy's oblivious. And the Lord was coming powerfully and effortlessly to just rip this thing off, and he, and he does. He comes and grabs it and just pulls it out. And I'm sharing this out loud, saying the Lord is coming to someone in this room. The Lord is coming to pull this infection out, this deep claw that the enemy has dug into the person. I'm like, and I'm giving it out loud. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh my goodness, he's coming to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm the broken person. I'm the, the oppressed person. And he's coming to me. And he comes, and, he, and I literally can just feel the thing and pull out. And I am like, at this point, I'm just weeping, and I'm crying, because I always cry whenever the Lord comes really close to me, and I'm just crying like a baby. And he pulls it out, and I'm just like, I can breathe again. And I was just like, oh. And all of a sudden, just like in a moment's time, everything that I was so upset about, all the vengeful, hateful things I wanted to do, <laughs> all, like everything was just gone, and I could see the situation. I could see that side of it. I could see my side of it. I could see, I, could, I, I just saw how God saw it, and I, I was like, oh, oh, I'm not offended anymore. Just like that. Now that was amazing. That's the anointing. That's the power of God coming. And now I've been being restored for a year and a half in this area. Amen. And so that, that, was, an, that was amazing. But if I hadn't gone through that all those years and wrestled, I mean, I wish it was, I, I wish it was like a couple of months. I wish it was like, but if I hadn't gone through all that, there's been... A handful of different situations in the past year and a half. If I had not gone through that and come out the other side with the Lord, these other situations would have destroyed me. And they didn't. Did I get a little messed up for a day or two? Yeah. Did it, did it, did it, you know, was there some stuff I had 
that surface that I had to deal with? Yeah. But I was able to walk through these other difficult situations and do a, a, a good job, an adequate job. Not perfect. I don't, I mean, as amazing as Tom is with situations, I've never seen him do a situation perfectly. And I love Tom. Like, I respect him. Like, tell me what to do, Tom. I don't know how to handle this. I didn't handle it perfectly. But he's restoring me. He's teaching me. And the things he's restoring is my identity more and more. Because I can go through difficult things. People can be ticked off, mad at me. I could have said something stupid and offended them and need to go to that. I can... All that relational difficult stuff that happens in all our lives, I'm now, I'm not afraid to stand in the fire, so to speak. That song, there's another in the fire. I don't want to go into the fire. <laughs> but, but I can. Because he's restoring me, my confidence in him. I'm not confident in myself. When I am, it's, it's not good. <laughs> Sweetheart, would you come and share your, your story with us? Can we give Ashley a hand? Hello. All right, I'm just going to tell a little bit of, about my life. Um, so I'm just going to share with you my journey of restoration. My journey is not complete, but what I'm going to say has really shaped me and molded me into the person that I am today, right now. I grew up in a Christian home and became a Christian at the young age of four. I actually grew up in this church, MGT, Lake City, now City Church, and then I went to Abundant Life all the way from kindergarten to my senior year. My life has been pretty easy and pretty simple. I didn't really experience a lot of heartache growing up. I had a great family who loved me and supported me, and a great group of friends who loved me for me. One thing I remember about being young, though, was I was always scared, or at least I would say that, you know, out of habit, I guess. It was sort of like my go-to phrase, oh, how scary, or oh, I'm scared. So I was kind of speaking that over me, and I didn't even know. Um, fast forward a few years, after high school, I met Joe when we got married. I was 21 at that time. A few years later, we found out we were pregnant with our son, Talon, and life was still pretty easy. I was very content with our little life as a family of three. We had another baby, a daughter that we named Aspen, and it felt like life was just getting better and better. Now, mind you, I was still saying things like, oh, I'm scared or I'm afraid, but not as much because I was maturing. A few years after Aspen was born, we moved to an apartment after selling our first home, and it felt like my world was honestly crashing down around me. My husband was diagnosed with cancer. I was being treated for a really bad infection, and my grandma died. And she was, I was very close to her. Now, praise God, he's been cancer-free for four years. <laughs> but it was at, at that time, a little bit after that, I started having panic attacks. And I was not able to leave my house at all. I dreaded going anywhere. I couldn't even give my kids a bath without feeling anxious. This was a very hard season in my life, but it only lasted for about three months. I did talk to some people about it that I was close to. I had them pray for me, had them pray over me, but I never wanted to actually say the word anxiety or depression because I was just afraid that if I said it out loud, I was admitting to it. And I was just like, nope, that's not me. I'm better than that, you know? The thoughts of feeling stuck were not in my mind anymore, so I just felt freer. Um, after we came back from a vacation. Um, so it really only lasted three months, which was cool. A few months later, we bought a house and moved in, and then we got pregnant with our third child, another daughter that we named Timber. At two months, Timber was diagnosed with developmental hip dysplasia. If you don't know what that is, it's where the hip joint doesn't stay in the socket. So she had to be put into a harness for four weeks. Um, then we found out the harness didn't work, and she had to be put into a spica cast, which is a half-body cast all the way from your chest down to your ankles in like a frog-like position for 12 weeks. Um, 
During this time, my health started to decline and I was losing weight because I was sick all the time. I was crying all the time. I was just so overwhelmed with life and three kids and just being afraid. And I would try to avoid the word anxiety because I didn't want to put that on me. I didn't want to admit it. I would tell myself that if I prayed hard enough or if I believed enough, that this would just go away. It was almost like if, if I figured out the right formula, then I could just snap out of it and then I would be better. I was ashamed of feeling this way, feeling like I shouldn't be feeling this way because I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a pastor's wife. But then I was also very prideful, feeling like because I'm a Christian and other things, I am definitely not struggling with this, almost as if feeling anxious was beneath me. But that's what I thought, but it wasn't the truth. A few months into the spike cast, I was still struggling and finally broke down and I talked to Joe about how I was feeling. I remember laying on our bed crying out to God, saying, take this from me, like literally screaming at the top of my lungs. And at that moment, the walls of shame and the walls of pride had crumbled and I was able to be honest with myself about what I was struggling with. It was then that I felt freedom. I was able to let go of the control of saying, I'm better than this, and I just gave it all to God. I contacted my doctor right away, and I was actually diagnosed with postpartum anxiety, and I was given some medicine to take to help, to help ease the symptoms. Within a couple of weeks, Joe and I noticed a big improvement with my emotions and my mental stability. But it didn't end there. The medicine was simply a tool to help me, to help bring me to a more even level so that I could begin to battle the lies I was believing from the enemy. I want to read a verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I still get anxious thoughts, and I still deal with fear, but then I think about how God thinks of me, and he would never, never put those thoughts in my head. God would never cause me to feel scared or anxious. I am his precious daughter, whom he loves so much. God is love, and God is peace. So those are the things I dwell on, and that is the truth that sets me free. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. I have a quick story, and then I'm going to finish with a little excerpt from Jesus Calling. Um, when I was about 12 or 13, I went to a prophetic night at one of my, at my uncle's church. And the guy called me out like, I have a word for you. So I go up and I'm nervous. I don't know what that means at all. Um, as a 12 year old, you just feel like, okay. So I go up there and he's like, do you ever say the words shut up? And at that time, as a 12 and 13 year old, I wanted to be cool. And I started saying shut up a lot. And I thought I was getting in trouble, and he was calling me out on it. But he's like, no, you need to say shut up to the devil. I was like, okay. I had no idea what that meant until a couple years ago. And then I'm like, you know what? Shut up, devil. You know, there's no reason to be polite to the enemy. <laughs> he does not deserve that. So anyway, that was my little story. So say shut up to the devil if, he, if he's telling you lies. All right. So this is from Jesus Calling. It's from June 11th. Trust me and don't be afraid, for I am your strength and song. Do not let fear dissipate your energy. Instead, invest your energy in trusting me and singing my song. The battle for control of your mind is fierce, and years of worry have made you vulnerable to the enemy. Therefore, you need to be vigilant in guarding your thoughts. Do not despise this weakness in yourself, since I am using it to draw you closer to me. Your constant need for me creates an intimacy that is well worth all the effort. You are not alone in the struggle for your mind. My spirit living within you is ever ready to help you in this striving. Ask him to control your mind, and he will bless you with life and peace. Thank you. I love that story. And that's another story where you wish it, it would be over so quick. And especially when it's our, one of our loved ones, someone we care about, going through something difficult in this journey, in this process, and you just want it to be over for them. And 
but it's so worth staying in the process and staying in the journey. And uh, we've been married just 13 years now, and Ashley has grown and matured so much. Not, and hopefully I'm maturing as well. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but she has grown and matured and is such a godly woman, amazing wife and, and mother. And God has, has turned her into a lion, a lioness. And this, yeah. Yeah. Love you, sweetheart. Okay, worship team, you guys can make your way. Um, the, last, the last point I want to talk about uh, is the restoration of the promise. God meets us and picks us up and delivers us from our oppression, from all the darkness, and he speaks that still small voice of acceptance, of, of identity, of restoration. Like he restores us as individuals on the inside. But it, it doesn't end there. If that was the end point, like, okay, I've res I'm restoring you, and now you just go about doing your life, and, and that, that's not how it works. He restores us and then restores us into the promises he has for our lives. And uh, he brings us back from captivity. He brings us back to the promised land, to that land flowing with milk and honey. And uh, the, thing, the thing about the promised land is that there's giants. The thing about the promised land is there's enemy inhabitants living there. And uh, to go into the promised land, to go into the promises God has for our life, we have to drive out every wrong inhabitant in our life and in the land. I want to read, I want to read Numbers 33, 51. When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. God has land for us to possess, promises for us to possess. But what he really wants to possess is us. We are his possession, and he wants to drive out everything, every obstacle, every mountain, every hill, every wall, every facade that is getting in the way. He wants to free you from those things so that he can fill you and dwell in you in fullness. And this is, this is the picture of where we are at corporately. This year has been, the word has been, enter the land, go into the land. He's taken us through many trials. He's taken us through the Jordan. We've, we feel like we've crossed over to the other side and that we're on the edge of so many promises he's spoken over this church, of the double anointing, of, of ease, of intimacy in ways we haven't experienced before. So to go, to go in and to possess the land, we have to drive out everything that's, every enemy, everything that's in they're trying to take place of what God wants to do. Every obstacle, every, every attack, every stronghold. We have to drive those out. And it's not our own strength. He, when they went, tried to go in the first time, the spies were like, yeah, we're just little grasshoppers. But the Lord's like, no, you're not grasshoppers. You're my army. You're my people. I'm the one that's going to fight for you. I'm your shield. I'm your rampart. You don't have to worry. You just have to stand in my mighty power. How did they bring down Jericho? They marched around singing praises and shouting. Like, and, and the indestructible fortress fell <laughs> because of singing and praising the Lord. But, but sometimes it's hard to drive out the inhabitants. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've, go, I've come to intimacy with conference, I've, 
I've come to worship and waiting. I've done, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. I've had people pray for me. It's not... We feel like this is, this is a, a big part of going into the land is getting the stuff off of, of us. Getting the darkness out of us. And so Pastor Tom has a vision to set up a group to help do this, to come along beside you. If, if, if that's you, it's been so long and I, I can't get free on my own and, and I, just, I just need someone to come alongside. We're starting a new ministry. It's called Freedom Ministry. And it'll be, starting in September, it'll be every, every Tuesday night, every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, right before prayer time, 5.30, 6.30, And we'll, more information will be coming about that. You can sign up type thing. But we will have times and sessions where we come along beside you and drive out the inhabitants. We stand with you and fight with you and for you to remove the darkness and the oppression so that you can be restored. But we're also going to pray right now. We're going to pray for God to come and free us, that we, would, that we would see him and get up and go away with him. But, but in order to even do that, you have to know him. You have to know him. So if, there, if there's anybody here, if, if you're here today and you're like, I don't, I don't know the Lord. I've never experienced his freedom. I've never experienced his love. I've heard a lot about him. I've seen a lot of religious stuff, about, but I'm here today. I want, I want to know him in that way. I want him to reveal himself in that way. I want to accept. I want to open the door of my heart and I want to confess that he is my Lord and Savior. I want to, I want to confess that he died for my sins. I have no ability on my own to make any of this happen. I want to journey with him to restoration. I want to journey with him into eternity and be with him forever. If that's you, raise your hand and we're, we're going to pray for you. If you want to know the Lord, thank you, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand. ahead and put, put your hand over your heart and, and in your heart pray something like this to the Lord. Jesus, I know I need you. I am broken and empty on my own and I, I know, I know I need forgiving. And I want to be with you forever. I want to know you forever. I want to love you and serve you forever. Please wash me. Forgive me because of your cross, because of your death, because of your resurrection. Please wash me and forgive me and dwell in my heart today. In Jesus' name.